0: It's been so fun to be here this week, to get to connect. Most of my favorite moments are praying with students, connecting with students, getting to talk to you. So um, I love it. Come up to me, talk to me, introduce yourself to me. I want to connect with you. I mean, you know, I love it. I love connecting with each of you. But so um, we're talking out of Matthew chapter 15 this morning, and let me tell you a little story. My son... Micah, when he was two and a half years old, he was basically a color genius. He knew all of his colors. He didn't just know like the basic colors. He knew the colors like indigo and turquoise and peach. And so then he started moving into shades of colors. He would be like, mommy, light green. Mommy, dark blue. And we were like, he's genius. He's like, he's a prodigy child. I was all for it until the one day He looks at me and he goes, Mommy. He looks at my face, looks at my teeth, he says, Mommy, light yellow. (laughs) Uh Uh-uh, game over. No more colors for you, young man. (laughs) Toddlers are some of the most insulting people in my life. Like if I could count up the insults I have received from toddlers, but that's to be expected, right? They're toddlers. What you don't expect is to be insulted by Jesus. And yet that is what it looks like right here in this passage in Matthew chapter 15. I would guess that I think it's pretty safe to say that probably 85% of you have never heard a sermon preached out of this passage because it's a doozy. <laughs> but if you are willing to dive in with me this morning, like really dive into this passage of scripture. I think that God can open our eyes. I think that he can convict us a little, and hopefully in his kindness, he can reveal some of the darkness, even in our own hearts. Are you ready? All right, so let's go to the passage. Chapter 15, starting in verse 21. Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from the vicinity came to him crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, Send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. He replied, It is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Yes, it is, Lord, she said. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Then Jesus said to her, Woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. Okay, so not only does it look like Jesus is insulting this poor Canaanite woman, it looks like the poor Canaanite woman is back talking to Jesus. And where I come from that, we call, it, we call that sassing. She's sassing Jesus. And in order to understand what's happening in the the scope of what's happening in this passage, I think it's really helpful to go back to the beginning of chapter 15 and to see what happened right before here. Because Matthew tells us at the beginning of chapter 15 that the Pharisees are coming to Jesus and they're complaining to Jesus. They're complaining to Jesus about the disciples. They're basically saying, you know, All the things, that the disciples are doing all these things terribly, terribly wrong, right? Wrong, wrong, wrong. And they're basically insinuating that everything that they're doing is right, right, right. And I think to myself, man, these Pharisees would have loved Facebook. This would have been like right up their alley. But here's the thing. Literally, their complaint was that the disciples didn't wash their hands before they ate. Now, me, I'm going... That seems like some practical wisdom, something maybe my grandma would say, wash your hands before you eat. Now, all the nursing majors in here are like, yes, Nursing 101, wash your hands, it's not hard. There are two items that you likely have that have more germs on them right now than an average toilet seat. Anyone want to guess? Your phone. I heard, yes, that's one of them. What's the other one? I think I heard someone say it, your keyboard on your laptop. It's covered with germs. And I'm guessing many of you, most of you, all of you have touched one or both of those items today and not washed your hands, which means all the couples I see in the balcony holding hands right now may want to just play footsie for the rest of the service or something. It's just just a suggestion. Here's the thing, though. The Pharisees... Didn't know anything about germs, right? They didn't know about, in, you know, influenza and the spread of bacteria. They, they were coming at it because the reason for their confrontation was this rabbinic tradition about washing hands. It wasn't about hygiene. It was about ceremonial purity. This was one of those rules, one of those traditions that had gotten tacked on. It had gotten tagged on along the way, and they were pushing it on the disciples at this point. Not because they were so concerned about the disciples, oh, bro, we don't want you to, you know, get strep throat. No, it comes from a place where they're going, hey, you're impure, we're pure. Have you ever had that moment where you're super hungry, you take a huge bite of the sandwich or whatever, you're chewing, it's delicious, you're loving it, and all of a sudden someone says, and now let's bow our heads and pray. It's like that moment where you're like, oh, whoops. (laughs) Imagine the disciples, while the Pharisees are going, look, they didn't even wash their hands. The disciples are probably like, ooh, whoops, we forgot again. And yet, imagine their surprise when all of a sudden, and I love this, Jesus steps up and he basically gives the Pharisees a verbal spanking. He says in verse 11, look, it is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth that defiles a person. In verse 17, do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is expelled? There are some versions that actually use the word defecate there, which for my like 12-year-old sense of humor, I think is hilarious. But anyway, and then going on in verse 18, but what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. But to eat with unwashed hands, that doesn't defile anyone. Jesus is basically going, oh, uh uh-uh, you're not going to come up here, tell my disciples that they're unclean when you have this filth coming out of your mouth. And we know where that filth comes. It comes from your filthy heart. He's telling them off. He actually calls them hypocrites in this passage. And meanwhile, I imagine the disciples over in the corner, and they're doing this, like, dance of vindication. They're like, oh, yeah, go, Jesus. Because Jesus has put these guys in their place. And they're going, yeah, that's right, we're not the unclean ones, they're the unclean ones. Man, those Pharisees, they're such losers who just don't get it. Imagine I have a cup of coffee right here. And John comes up here and he just shoves me. Because, you know, he might, he could do that. (laughs) And coffee spills out. Why did the coffee spill? We want to say it's because John was being a jerk, right? (laughs) But maybe, maybe the coffee spilled because there was coffee in my cup. Had there been tea in my cup, it would have been tea that would have spilled. Because whatever is in your cup is what spills out. And what Jesus is getting to here is whatever is in your heart already, that is what spills out and he's telling the Pharisees this but guess what he's trying to tell the disciples too only they don't get it. They don't get it yet and so that sets up this conversation with the Canaanite woman. Because Jesus is taking an opportunity here to provide a real life example. He's going to give them an opportunity to learn what is in their heart Jesus exposes the prejudice of the Pharisees' hearts, but now oh so softly, watch it, oh so gently, he exposes the prejudice in the disciples' own hearts. And if we're paying attention, he will expose the prejudice in our hearts too. Okay, so Matthew says that this is a Canaanite woman that came to Jesus. And you have to understand that a Canaanite woman, she would have been a Gentile, which means that Jews would have considered her unclean, filthy, impure. They would have wanted to have had nothing to do with her. And this conversation that Jesus has with the Canaanite woman, this is a huge part of this passage. And we're going to come back, to. we're going to put a pin in that. But first, I want to deal with what's happening here between Jesus and the disciples, because it's fascinating to me. <laughs> It's fascinating. Jesus employs this ancient wisdom in this conversation that we've seen before in scripture. The wisest man who ever lived, Solomon, he used this kind of wisdom when two mothers came to him, both saying that this baby was theirs. You see, what had happened is one of the mothers had rolled over on her child in the middle of the night and suffocated the child, and then real sneaky-like, she went and she traded babies with this other mother. Only a mama knows her child. And so they come to Solomon, and Solomon does this thing where he turns the tables on these two women. He, He says this shocking thing, he says, yeah, okay, so let's just cut the baby in half. You can have half the baby, and you can have the other half of the baby. Of course, the real mother speaks up, she's like, no, 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 it's okay, She, she can have the baby. And everyone in the room knew who the real mother was. No inquisition, no trial. Solomon didn't have to detain any witnesses here. Solomon just turned the tables, and he exposed the truth that was already in these mothers' hearts. And so Jesus, he uses the same kind of wisdom here, track with me, because he starts out responding to the Canaanite woman, just basically saying exactly what his disciples, exactly what his culture would have expected him to say. He ignores her first off. And so she gets louder and louder and the disciples finally come to Jesus because they're annoyed with her. And so they say, Jesus, can you please send her away? Basically, Jesus, she's a loser who just doesn't get it. (laughs) Do you see what's already coming out of the disciples' hearts here? But here's the problem. They don't see it because everyone around them looks like them. Everyone around them talks like them. Everyone around them sees the world exactly the way they do. So they think they are perfectly justified. Everybody else agrees with me. She needs to go, right? This is the danger they can't see their own pride so Jesus does a second thing that the disciples totally expected he insults her he says I'm busy dealing with the lost children of Israel it's not right to take the bread away from the children and feed it to the dogs And you know that, like, dance of vindication the disciples were doing earlier when Jesus was tongue-lashing the Pharisees? I think they're over here in the corner doing the same dance again. You go, yeah, Jesus. He puts her in her place. Way to go, Jesus. Way to have boundaries. Way to know how to deal with this woman. And so she comes back with, yes, yes, but even the dogs eat the crumbs from the master's table. And right here... This is where Jesus does it. Similar to Solomon, Jesus turns the tables on the disciples in this totally unexpected way. And when he does this, he reveals what was in the disciples' hearts all along. He says, oh, woman, your faith is great. Some translations say, your faith is something else. What you want is what you get. Your daughter is healed. And there it is for the disciples. That superiority, that prejudice, that elitism, that pride, that self righteousness that they didn't even know was there has now reared its ugly head. Because they had to have been shocked by the turn of events. One minute, they're nodding along with Jesus. Uh huh, uh huh, uh huh. And then also, wait, what did he say? What did he just say? It's that same surprise that we might feel when we ask for the manager and a woman walks out, or when she brings the boyfriend home and he has a different color of skin than we thought he would. This is our human nature. It's that ugly bent that we all have to choose pride and self-righteousness and superiority over humility. If you are human, you struggle with this, or you have struggled with it. I have, I do. This is our human nature. And so here are the disciples, with Jesus rebuked to the Pharisees, still ringing in their ears. They're still sitting there going, yeah, those unclean Pharisees, yeah, this impure woman, And with this total inability to see the darkness in their own hearts until Jesus turns the tables on them and he calls this woman's faith great. Okay, (laughs) let's go back to this Canaanite woman because remember we said we would come back to her. Let's talk about her for a minute because... She has to be my absolute favorite. She's, she's sassy and she's brassy and she's bold, but she also is this desperate mother who, man, she'll do anything to get her daughter healed. And then she also has this blossoming faith that goes, man, I, she knows that Jesus is the only one that can save her in this. And Jesus ignores her and she gets louder. Jesus shuts her down and she pops right back up again. In fact, her response to Jesus is flat out argumentative. She's like, yeah, no. And her sassy back talk delights Jesus. It delights him. He says, oh woman, your faith is great. But do you see what Jesus did here? He didn't just turn the tables on the disciples. He turned the tables on the Canaanite woman too. Hear this. Because he listened to her, to this marginalized woman. And he let go of his authority. He divested his own power. He passed the mic over to this sideline foreigner. And he gave her center stage so that it ended up being her that becomes the teacher. He allows her to be the one who exposes the disciples' prideful hearts. Because here's the thing, Jesus could have easily given the same tongue lashing that he gave the Pharisees, he could have given that to the disciples. Or he could have gathered everyone around into a nice little circle and he could have done another Sermon on the Mount and spout these like beautiful truths again. He could have done any of those things and they probably would have been perfectly effective. However, in this moment with this woman, he passes the mic, he gives her center stage, and he allows her to do the teaching. And when Jesus does this, he demonstrates not just her disciples, but I think, I think he demonstrates, he shows us a way out of our dark-hearted judgment of others. He shows us how to listen, how to learn, and how to let go. Because Jesus calls us to find the marginalized, to find the disregarded, the outcast, the people on the edges, and to listen to them but not just listen to them, he asks us to learn from them. Not that Jesus had anything to learn in this moment, but he shows us how to do it. And then he shows us how to let go and hand whatever power, whatever authority, whatever privilege, whatever agency, whatever voice that God has seen fit to bless you with, he asks you to share that. With someone else. Because here's the thing, Jesus knew something. He knew that the most powerful force in the universe is not power over. Power over is the power, the power of coercion and control and manipulation. He knew the most powerful force in the universe, it's motivated by love and it is a power under. It's a power that lifts other people up. It's a power that helps us to listen, and to learn, and to love, and to let go. So for the person that you just don't like in your dorm, for the family member you're trying to avoid, for the poor that you assume is just lazy, or the rich that we assume is selfish, or the immigrant we assume is dangerous, or the oppressed that we assume are overreacting. Really listening, learning, letting go. Power under instead of power over. Because when we do that, it gives God the space to turn the tables on us in this beautiful way. As the band comes up, I just, I want to leave you with this last picture. I want to go back to the Canaanite woman one more time. Because yeah, she's sassy and she's witty and she's desperate, but she also is Fully convinced that the power that is available in a whole loaf of bread is the same power that's available in a crumb. A crumb from God is powerful enough to meet your greatest need. Imagine that I lay in front of you an entire table filled with your favorite foods and you're starving. Then over here, I fill an entire restaurant full of your favorite foods, and you're starving. They are both equally capable of meeting your need, right? Because a crumb from God is powerful enough to meet your greatest need. So she's sitting there going, you know, yes, even the dogs eat the master's crumbs. Yes, whether it's a loaf or a crumb, I don't care because I know that it is the same power to heal, it is the same power to forgive, it's the same power to restore, it's the same power to transform, it is the same power to humble us. So no wonder Jesus said to her, oh woman, your faith is something else. Because she gets it. What is spilling out of our hearts? What's spilling out? That thing that we don't even know it's there really, but it's there. It comes out in these little moments. We go, oh. And we're almost surprised by it. Those moments where God turns the table. We can ignore it or we can pay attention. Or we can even go ahead and put ourselves in positions where God can just turn the t- We just say, go ahead, God, turn the tables. I'm ready to listen. I'm ready to learn. I'm ready to let go. We can do that. But I'm guessing there are also some folks in here today, a few of us, <laughs> who maybe feel more like the Canaanite woman where we go, man, I just, I feel like I'm on the margins. I feel like I'm on the edges. I just can't get a break. And I am desperate for God today. And I would just say to you, God has all the power that you need. And I would also say, keep speaking up because we need to hear from you. We need to hear your voice. You have something to teach us in that place of desperate, faith. But I think a lot of us probably identify with the disciples more than anything, where God's asking, are you willing, are you willing to follow Jesus' example here, where Jesus Jesus powered under instead of powering over, where Jesus divested his power, where Jesus, he listened and he learned, taught us to learn, and he let go. And when we can do that, we make room at the table. Let me pray. God, give us faith. Mm. Give us faith like the Canaanite woman. We've been talking about miracles all week, Lord. And we know that you can do the impossible. You can do the impossible to heal. You can do the impossible to, to change and to transform. You can even do the impossible to reveal those dark places even in our own hearts because here's the thing it's so easy to see the pride or the elitism or the superiority or the or the prejudice in other people that's easy we do that all day long but God help us to be willing to see that in our own hearts and then to listen and to learn and to let go give us that desperate desire for you that says give me the crumbs God It says, I need whatever you're giving out today because I know it will be enough to satisfy. In your name, amen.